and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know about Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language. The best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the show. That is at HEFpod. Email the show at Frankfurt at gmail.com. Reach out to us also on our Facebook platform. That is facebook.com slash HEFpod. News about Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language, in addition to a new episode drops and uh, contests and so much more. I don't do the show alone. And joining me this week is Nathan in St. Louis. Hello, buddy. Hey, Brian. It's another early morning one for us, but um, I imagine we're both caffeinated. Ready to go? Oh, uh, yes. We'll get into that and hashtag what are we drinking <laughs> in just a moment. But let's get into the the craziest of crazy matches of the Bundesliga weekend. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a little joke on that. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Try. Hanover. Null. <laughs> Danke, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but yeah, let's forget. Should we even talk about the first half? Because let's be honest, it was a snooze fest. There was a lot of questions as the team just seemed to be, I don't know, it looked like that they had kind of wasted a lot of energy and were just looking super lethargic uh, after uh, Thursday. It kind of made me wonder where the team was at, and that was something that I had hoped that could be avoided because I was worried about... Uh, the team, especially the players who were out there on Thursday, not just, you know, being able to physically recover quickly, but also the fact that, hey, you know what? This could be a bit of a difficult one because, hey, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk is definitely not Hanover 96, and everyone knows how crappy those guys have been this year. And I was worried that the team would have too much confidence and think, yeah, we're just going to waltz into this one. And I think it showed very much in the first half. Yeah. Um, and we Well, we talked about it before the match, and we were both kind of uh, split on how we'd start the game. And I think we were both surprised that they started uh, Allaire um, for, and... Uh, Rabich getting the start doesn't really surprise me, but yeah, some of the other things that that Rota didn't get a that got a start, and um, I thought that Costa or Kostic would um, <laughs> um, get a seat. I, I saw on uh, Twitter just a little aside that they're calling the both of them together to Kostic, <laughs> which I love. But um, uh, uh, but yeah, seeing Toure for the first time was pretty good. Uh, he looked okay, uh, but we were sluggish. There was a there they they were pretty much tired, and you could tell it was a lethargic performance. I'm not looking not uh, downplaying like how the team kind of roared back in the second half. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a second. Um, but for me, I did like how Torre was kind of being able to adjust himself. It, I kind of wonder. Uh, in regards to the language barrier, I'm hoping that, you know, he's able to, you know, cohesively be able to, you know, get his point across to his fellow teammates, despite the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are, uh, two guys that speak, uh, French, uh, three, I guess you could say two, uh, as a first language, one as a second language, 
and that he'd be able to immediately be addressing. But I think that like key to him being successful as he kind of eases his way into this team is really going to be his relationship with Kevin Trapp. Unless he's playing next to Indica, yeah. which I highly doubt, you know, or Follett, which I also highly doubt. I think that Trapp is going to be a key to him developing as an Eintracht player. And then it also brings up the fact that, you know, uh, Kevin Trapp needs to uh, stick around an Eintracht. Because let's be <laughs> honest, if we don't get him, the guy, his opposite number uh, for Hanover stood on his head all yeah, he freaking game long. And on, if I'm honest, like even though Eintracht was going to have a wishy-washy first half, they still put some decent shots on. And Ezer, uh, Ezer, Michael, Ezer, um, sorry about my pronunciation, folks. It sometimes happens, <laughs> but um, you know he has really he really impressed me with how many times he stood up to uh, the Eintracht. And I mean, for me, I couldn't <laughs> have like been more happy with like how things turned out for the Eintracht. But uh, you kind of have to give credit where credit is due in the fact that you know uh, he was. He was the better keeper out there in terms of like the performance that he had to put Absolutely. on. Um, it Esser brings up just the it, Germany in general is a flood of talent that doesn't get enough uh, enough view on the international side of things. And Esser and you know Trap to a to a lesser degree now now in his career, but those two are about roughly the same age and you know stand no chance to break through an international squad despite um uh you know their quality as players um as keepers yeah we uh i think we were tired and perhaps uh hutter told them to stay in second gear for that first first half and lull hanover into a false sense of um command of that game or at least this belief that they had a chance to uh, attack with um, Schwegler uh, running up and down um, and Hariguchi, man. Hariguchi had, had a couple runs that I was starting to get a little nervous about. And mm. hey, I mean, look, for good reason. Uh, they look, they broke on the eye track kind of catching like in between where our midfield should have been. Has they been kind of playing pretty far up there? Oh yeah, a little bit further than I would was really comfortable with. But um, overall, first half it was what it was. Um, the team just kind of staying in staying in a low gear, just waiting yeah. to get to halftime. Then make your tactical adjustments because let's be honest, Thomas Stoll is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, I won't apologize for that, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about that second half. So three goals yeah. scored: Rebic, Jovic, Kostic. Uh, Ale no goal scored, but was taking part in a lot of the stuff that was going on. Jovic can technically claim a couple of assists on that, so <laughs> yeah. hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, the second half. They were just whizzing past uh, Hanover. This is the this is the exact si- type of performance that I was expecting from Hanover. And let's be honest, uh, Eintracht really didn't have. We didn't 
put that much more pressure on, and they just crumbled like a house of cards. Yeah, they did. It 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 was um, worrying for me for going into the second half what was happening with the team, but um, it kind of pulled the hood over your eyes a little bit, um, just not knowing tactically what the hell we were doing, and suddenly I think, Hutter's game plan kicked into high gear and they're like, okay, Buffalo go. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> I think that's the right way to put it. Uh, the, it's like as though they just, un, like they just unleashed hell, just kind of, you know, you're at, you're taking your animal, uh, your dog to the off leash dog park and the dog wants to get in amongst it, you know, just get stuck in. Uh, hopefully not in mud. That is, because <laughs> uh, everyone knows how much fun that is to clean up but the dog just wants to go at it and then you're like okay okay now let it go and he just runs off and just, yeah. uh, the buffaloes just did what they do when they start when they start coming together interacting with each other because there was a disconnect in the first half that then had gotten fixed in the second half and mm-hmm. let's be honest um we could have been sent down to like nine men, and I think we still would have pulled off this result. Hanover, <laughs> I mean, like the very moment that we really pushed them, uh, they were crumbling. We got our goals. Uh, Costa's goal, his run, oh, that was something. My gosh. That was something else. Well, I mean, what a what a way to to cap off that game and, and define that second half especially. Um, cause both of those, both DaCosta and Kostic to me looked a little sluggish mm-hmm. in the first half, but, uh, those are just you, tired legs. Yeah. You know, that, but you know that because of the second half, it was all ruse. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it was brilliant. Indeed. Indeed. So that all being said, Nathan, uh, Let's get into hashtag what are we drinking and we'll get into segment two with news and notes and talk about uh off night, shall we? Sure. All right. What are you drinking? Ooh. Um, so I had to go to work today in the morning um to to wrap up a, a few things before I go on vacation. And um and I'm working from home today, taking my lunch break a little early for this. Um so I'm still drinking coffee, uh the of the company of which I work for, which will remain nameless. wow well hey uh to all to all coffee connoisseurs yes uh for the second uh consecutive episode uh i'm also uh going in on the coffee going with my local brew uh roastery uh the coffee that i'm doing this time uh everyone has gotten on to the cold brew bandwagon i kind of reserved myself to you know i'm gonna try it out sometime and uh, I bought a six-pack, and they come in cans. And uh, I thought, hey, why not? You know, it says right there on the packaging that it was steeped for 19 hours. I mean, uh, I do a lot less time when it comes to making my own uh, hot coffee if I use the French press. But, uh, hey, it turned out pretty good. And I'm pretty sure that there's a reason why it's, like, zapped my brain from uh, zero to 100. So. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot more time for that cold brew to steep. Oh. Uh, but it's significantly more caffeine that, that leaches out, too. Yeah. Good thing I'm drinking it slowly. Otherwise, I'd be freaking, <laughs> like, you know, bouncing on my head. But uh-huh. anyways. <laughs> well, that being said, uh, let's go into segment two where we'll talk about news and notes and everything 
uh, newsworthy surrounding the Eintracht. Stay with Some news that has been kind of leaping out. Uh, we kind of hinted at it just a little bit in that uh, Eintracht is looking to make uh, the signing of Kevin Trapp permanent. Um, for me, this seems like a no-brainer. The question only is, we're dealing, I think we have in our in this situation, I think we have uh, a nice scenario playing out. Uh, and I'll... Give me just give me a second to kind of walk us through this. So we got him hmm. on loan from PSG. PSG, uh, for those people who don't pay attention to uh, those canaries, uh, they spend money like it's going out of style. They spend money. I mean, we're taking on all that Kevin Trapp is on. He's on a substantial kind of wage for a goalkeeper, more so than what we no usually will you know pay. You got to remember, uh, he was on peanuts when we bought him from Kaiser Slaughter. Um, or what was that? Uh, one and a half million, quite a few years ago, and then we got ten million for uh when he made the move to PSG. But his career had stagnated uh while at PSG because the the constant coaching changes. Uh, the preseason he had barely played at all. I think it was their uh, cup competition uh, keeper. But uh, for this that guy, Champions League spot is uh tough. A yeah. Tough a gig to break through. He had some competition as well. Yeah. And I mean, with all the changes and that team, you know, uh, also changing their coaches, they have so much money swirling around, you know, it's just kind of hilarious that Gigi Buffon made the move and, uh, kind of kicked his ass out of there. But that being said, uh, I think, uh, we're in a great position, uh, to be able to sign him on a full, uh, time deal and I think for not as much money as we would initially have thought because you know he's a top I would say one of the top keepers in Germany not the top keeper in Germany but but I would say one of the very top German keepers in the Bundesliga so yeah. there's a little room for interpretation and someone might be able to kind of gauge there <laughs> but I think uh, with the extreme scenario that the PSG is now in where they have to really be kind of a little bit more careful in terms of balancing the books. Look, they're having to make, uh, they've had to make a lot of sales, moving guys on at mm-hmm. decent amounts. And I think due to the nature of uh, Trapp's position, I think that we can get him for a measly couple million euros. And I think we should not even blink uh, and pull that trigger. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, not necessarily because I don't think we need him, but uh, it's the type of situation where I worry about our, you know, our future, um, you know, money making ability as a team. Mm-hmm. Like, because we're above two hundred million now, I think as a as a squad, which right. I think is the highest we've ever been. Um, which year over year, that's going to happen. But um, I mean, we got a guy that 
plays Europa League or has Europa League experience uh, sitting and rotting on the bench. And he, he could be playing equally to Kevin Trapp for significantly less money. Um, so I think that there's some consideration there. Granted, um, the conversation that we'll have with Trapp will be significantly different than the one we had at the beginning of the season. Um, we can look at his stats and, uh, you know, look at a game like, um, was that, was it Hanover's or no, um, Shakhtar's goal that kind of just trickled in stuff like that, where mm-hmm. he's not playing at his top tier right now. So it's going to be a tough conversation for Frankfurt to have. So I'm hoping that both sides can kind of see through the mire that will occur in that regard. Um, if not though, I, I, I think we're okay either way. Um, I don't want to see Renault, um, rot either so it'll be an interesting situation i don't think he'll be here if if trap remains he he's he's got too much upside to to be sitting where he is i totally agree on that and i think uh i mean at present we got ronald we have trap we also have uh i would say almost for the uh kind of home player uh, rule that's kind of in place from UEFA. We have Zimmerman also kind of <laughs> sitting around. Who look? He can like if brought on. I am one hundred percent confident that he can do a job, and he's kind of proven it at you know the second division level. He's not, but the thing is, at thirty three, I think yeah. he is just satisfied with possibly helping groom uh, the next level, uh, the next generation of you know youth products and the. You know, it kind of brings us almost into the same kind of conversation as uh, let's look at Shaka Newfield. Now, the former mm-hmm. Eintracht player, Ralph Famon, uh, has been the uh, he's been the captain of Schalke. And the thing is, you know, as they have kind of developed as a club, he's always been their kind of go to man at the back. So, uh, I mean, hey, hey, at this point in his career, he's only 30 you know, and has been has never kind of for whatever reason has never kind of punched through to the national team side. But what they suddenly reason <laughs> we, yeah. we kind of already talked about well, that a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, like in terms of getting that second place spot, I mean, it sure, always sure, seems sure. to be uh, not well, not really second place because uh, there's touch taken. I meant third place. Uh, mm-hmm. Though I think second place might be up for grabs because I think that uh, Noya might his. T- I think. Uh, based on the World Cup, his time as the Germany number one might Ooh. be numbered. Uh, that gonna, sounds horrible to say, but anyways, uh, you're gonna uh, it's not get about some the German national team comments thing. about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but this Alexander Nubo, um, the young keeper that uh, Schalke has, that they've you know he's been on the bench for a lot, and he's you know he's had a run out, and you know in. This this is just kind of pressure that uh, Schalke has kind of put on themselves. I mean, kind of shooting themselves in the foot. But, you know, he has been able to uh, show himself at, you know, uh, the young age of 22 that he can uh, do it at this sort of level. And that my thought process is, will Zimmerman be used to kind of bring through a youth mm. product that we think is uh, kind of... One for the future. We have one signed to the first team, but I, that's more down to the coefficient thing. Do I mean? 
Sure. If we don't go with, if we say, you know, mm. we can spend the money on Trump, I'd like to think that we could get him on a pretty low transfer fee. But then, yeah, you're right. Ronald will not want to sit on the bench. And then it kind of brings yeah. into the situation. Now, I think Ronald, good quality keeper, and you need to give him some access to kind of run out. And it's the same that, you know, uh, we're, we we didn't we got knocked out in the ball count so early that we didn't have an opportunity to give him more time. Yeah, and it's just kind of the way that it turned out and everything. And then remember, we also got Vidvald. <laughs> yeah, we signed him. God only knows in what. the door, out the door. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but it kind of makes me wonder: Will Eintracht bring through a youth keeper? And uh, Tobias still is on the first team, and kind of wonder what Eintracht wants to do there. Cause I think that it's, I would almost say it might be easier to bring through, uh, for the youth growing players from the youth ranks. I would almost say that you have a higher success rate, uh, with keepers necessarily than you do have with, uh, outfield players. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of um, brings in a different situation. Nathan, the, what do we do with, uh, where are we going to grow the players? Cause we keep on bringing them from outside. Why, when will we get one coming from within? It's well, that's a that's a big question that we've tried to tackle before. I don't think we're in a, at a place to do that right now. And personally, I I don't see any indications that Bobich has changed his mind on that recently. Uh, we're using those youth players as coefficient where we have to, and anyone that kind of jumps up the ranks, of course, would would be welcome. But we're we're calling talent across Europe and elsewhere. Um, before or making those bets elsewhere. Um, but um, as Kismet happens, like Hinteregger, and uh, you and I were chatting on the side about that, um, uh, where, where Augsburg, if they were to go down, th- then he's not going to stay there, obviously. So um, if he feels comfortable here, and I think he's already establishing himself as the, as the, you know, the reigning center back uh for this squad for the rest of the season and he and he stands a chance to to perhaps stay here um and if if they somehow stay afloat and somehow keep the coach around uh <laughs> as a result over in Augsburg I don't know if he'd um uh, if he'd move on if he'd be willing to to stay here again so there are other considerations here that we'll have to take um as this squad changes next year and there's going to be a lot of it yeah, Hendrager for me is a, you know, not you know, you don't even blink in terms of pulling the trigger there. I think yeah. that we have don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think another I mean obviously we know that Jovic is we've already agreed to uh we know that we're going to be pulling the trigger on that. Um yeah. So next question is for our other uh two loanies, Kostic and Roda uh, do we even hesitate in terms of pulling the trigger? Because I mean, there's, mm. I don't know. I think I think with Rhoda, I think he just wants to leave Dortmund, and I think that we are just so perfect for him that he will leave. He will just like beg to be let go, and maybe we can get him for next to nothing. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, Kostic, I'd like to hold on to him, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, you have this diva in and of themselves to technically own him called Oz Vow. And I mean, they're, I don't, 
I don't know like what the uh, fee has been negotiated for him, if anything. Mm-hmm. I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, of all of our loans that we currently have, I have funny sneaky suspicion that he is to be the trickiest one for us to get to be signed permanently unless Hosval really just sort of like roll over and play dead. And yeah, just, well, just kind of like, whatever, here, bye, good luck. The uh, tricky part of that whole thing is um, while the Bundesliga is very uh, interesting and competitive this year in different ways than it has been in the past, you know, five, ten years, um, the Bundesliga 2 c- continues to be probably the more compelling league to watch. <laughs> um, and everyone everyone is just in striking distance from like eighth or I, yeah i would say seventh right seventh, seventh to on up first can all make promotion or the playoffs yeah it's exactly. absolutely so, bananas it's uh, awesome it's a little scary too uh it's if it's fantastic if are, though for the look if you're cologne or hamburg look you have so much pressure you also have so much money right on this i mean mm-hmm. Think of how many, how few players have left Cologne with the drop that they made. Yeah. Very few guys left, and I everyone's mean, so just many under- stories the there. understanding that hey, we're going, we are going to fight for going up. Granted, they also have a match in hand, so that could uh, go well for them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess we're kind of looking at the rest of Germany as a whole, but I'd like the idea of you know facing off against one of the Hamburg clubs. I don't care which. It'd be hilarious if it's the Pirates and not the Haas foul. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or all are all technically three in the region. Yeah. <laughs> Holstein Kiel's right there too, which is somewhat surprising considering the amount of... Uh, the amount uh, of guys... Tur- turnover changer. they had. Yeah, losing their coach to uh, Cone. And yeah. I mean... Granted, I guess they did open up the pocketbooks by breaking their uh, all-time club record fee for like I think it was one point five million. So hey, even the little yep. guys can pay. <laughs> I yeah. I make this I make this joke uh, out there because you know uh, with the second division, you know you can all you need is the right bit of luck, as we saw with Darmstadt, who got back-to-back promotions, like three promotions in four years, and suddenly they were playing uh, with us. And or, sadly, or last year with Düsseldorf. Exactly. You know, just kind of, they were not expected to uh, do anything. They literally a bunch of run-of-the-mill second division guys who just all got hot all at once. So, mm-hmm. But we were kind of talking about lone players just a little bit, Nathan. Kind of wanted to digress a slight bit to more uh, what some of uh, the Eintracht players who are on loan, who are out there in the field are doing. Um, Düsseldorf. Been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. We had such high hopes when uh, Ivan Barkak uh, went out on loan, and the thing is, uh, he's all, he hasn't really done all too much. And I'm kind of wondering yeah. if this is a Eintracht player who is just going to rot, and we are not going to find a place for him. Well, it's a weird situation. He got hurt real quick, and just yeah. you know has never been able to get himself established. And Dusseldorf went on that run um, for a bit there. Are they still? Did they? Did they? I haven't looked at the table yet for are the match day results from last week. Did they? They got the vic- they had a comeback victory over Nuremberg, and yeah. at this point, 
Uh, just kind of get a rundown of what the uh, Bundesliga looks uh, from. There are the halves, the getting theirs, uh, the we're not in troubles, and then there's the oh shits. And there's one team that's in between the we're okay and the oh shits, and that's Schalke in 14th on 23 points, and there's five-point gap. Yeah, no kidding. Five-point gap between Schalke in 14th and 15th place, Augsburg on 18, then two points between them and Stuttgart, one point, two points between Stuttgart and Hanover, who's in 17th, and Nuremberg is one point behind them in 18th. And uh, Dusseldorf, to give context to that, uh, they are in 12th on 28 points. They are five points above Schalke. Schalke is just this in the limbo. Uh, there's the obvious four teams who are battling it out in relegation for relegation scraps. Um, I think Hanover plays Stuttgart this week. Uh, mm. If memory serves, I know that there's a uh, Augsburg play Dortmund. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Stuttgart plays Hanover, and dear God, that is about as big of a relegation scrap as you can ask for. But yeah, Dusseldorf has shocked everyone. We all predicted that they would go yeah. down. We thought I was openly saying, hey, Nuremberg looks a better of the two. And now I'm looking like I'm gonna have egg on my face, uh, but hey, you know what can uh, Dusseldorf? It's a fun place to go for an away trip, and if it can stick yeah. around for one more year, hey, old tune for that. But Ivan has just not gotten a chance, and I think he's gonna rot. Yeah, and I've, I just worry he'll probably for move to a forward. different squad. He has the he has the talent, but they're in a position where they have their they have their eleven you know, kind of decided and it's going to be difficult to break into that because they're, they're staying afloat. Right. Exactly. Um, which does kind of make me think, you know, maybe he needs to get, be get to go to the second division to get the guaranteed development that he needs. Or maybe there will be one of the, not if we have three promoted clubs, uh, we'll mm-hmm. get one of those, uh, non big, Look, Cologne and Haas are way bigger than anyone else in that division. It just that is what it is in terms of all aspects. But if someone, if say that third promoted team, as long this is all based on if those two biggins uh, get promoted, I would mm-hmm. then say if he is offered an opportunity there, I would take that uh, and possibly yeah. hit the ground running over you know waiting another year in the second division. Yep. me but i mean then again there's a lot of clubs i'm sure in the second division who would love to have him from your sandhausens your ingolstadt's magdeburg's dresden maybe not maybe even darmstadt would be dumb <laughs> enough to uh put out the offer <laughs> but there's there's enough smaller teams in the second division that would probably uh look at him and be like yeah we'll give you a run out yeah yeah there's plenty of places for him to compete and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate how it's turned out for him in Dusseldorf. Speaking of second division players, Nikolai Muller, uh, looks <laughs> like he's going to be headed that way uh, if he stays <laughs> with Hanover. Will, are we selling him at the end of the summer? I mean, because it looked very much like when Addy moved him on, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, is this Hanover just getting desperate? And we're like, uh, you're on the periphery. Yeah, we'll loan you out and, you know. It removes us from having to pay his wages, but I kind of wonder yeah. if he's going to be sticking around. I don't think so. I, I, he was the type of like safe bet mm-hmm. for us to make uh, if you know if he remained healthy. 
Um, exactly. He it, he's one of those coefficient players. He's a local kid, uh, so it was a good decision. But I don't know. He, I don't know if his value has gone down. Perhaps I I think he's he seemed to be really good for that team, but they're just hurting defensively. Then they're, they're not going to get any better. So he'll 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 land somewhere else in the in the Bundesliga in the first league. So. Indeed, indeed. Uh, kind of going down the list. I have a few to go over. Uh, Danny Bloom, uh, speaking of the second divisions, uh, he has been making quite a few appearances uh, for uh, Las Palmas. Uh, now, they are currently kind of yeah, in doing? a... They're kind of in limbo. Uh, mm-hmm. Not exactly in a good spot themselves. Um, That's what I thought. Uh, when, uh, when he got moved on to... Uh, that team uh, so I was really excited for him because I thought hey look you did well you know in the second division that kind of uh, got you your move to the Eintracht uh, but he I never I always looked at him like I don't see what everyone else sees in you and guys for those who uh, are not looking at uh, the Spanish second division table on a regular basis uh, they are mid table. They're uh, they're not out of the run for a playoff spot, but they are not getting automatic promotion back to La Liga. It's um kind of how England does their top two go up, and then you have your playoffs between the top third through six. Uh, that's kind of the way the situation is, and they're quite a few points out of the bottom uh, playoff place. So mm. uh, seven points actually off of the bottom playoff place. So. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be going back up. And I don't think that Danny Bloom will uh, be brought on uh, full-time either. Yeah. And it uh, just means that I think that we're, we're, we're going to need to find a buyer for him because he's just – there's no there's no spot for him. End of. Yeah. He uh, – I share perhaps a different opinion than you of him. Um, he seems to have a lot of – a lot going for him. Um, he puts his heart out on the pitch. I, I, that's that's what I see. He's getting up there in years, though, so he's not gonna. He's just looking for a place to 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 play. And honestly, he'll probably end up back in the Bundesliga, um, either in the second division or maybe on the bench, a bench role in the first division. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will find a buyer. He's just he's he is what he is. Exactly. I don't see that he is going to be uh, just a part of the Eintracht. We'll find someone who is a buyer for him, uh, second division, first division, uh, lower first division team, and they'll take him on because he'll maybe be seen as a low-risk option and someone who will be a good contributor. But, uh, yeah, no possibilities there. Talking of players who we kind of talked about, Barkok as a player who we thought him going out on loan would be a great development, um, the 19-year-old Deji Bayroter, uh, so he is on loan in the Reginald League and has actually been doing pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as right now, he oh, s- sadly has gotten injured but had been uh, doing good stuff with uh, Kometsna, uh in the uh, Regalinga Norse. That's the basically what tones to the, uh, old, third, uh, the old East Germany League. Uh, just kind of the regionalized uh, fifth division. He's, uh, I mean, once he returns back uh, from injury, 
I look forward to him uh, being a part of their current promotion push as they are a whopping 12 points ahead uh, in terms of leading at the very top. They have 117, lost two, and yeah. I hope that this kind of atmosphere is going to be good for his development. Not not just you know so. from a playing aspect, but also as you know being a part of that kind of winning mentality. I would think that he might then be able to, should they wish to uh, continue his loan, perhaps uh, stay with the team uh, for next season. Should uh, I'm not exactly sure how the promotion things are. He's supposed they're supposed to get promoted to the Dritta Liga automatically. So. Uh, here's hoping that maybe they'll want to keep him on the books and, you know, he'll get some good third division action. And I would say uh, after that, you know, bring him back home, let him then break into the Eintracht squad. So long as we still see him as okay with the future, I like what he's, uh, I like his situation. Vidwald, we've already kind of hinted at, uh, I think, no, I don't think Move that. On. Uh, yeah, move on. And in case anyone <laughs> is curious where, how Duisburg is doing, they're at the bottom of the second division. And uh, there is a four-team race for, like in the Bundesliga, for the re- relegation places. But it is much more cut and dry with how bad the situation is down there. But yeah, last lonely player that I wanted to hint on before we move to uh, previewing our match with the Hoffenheim is Daichi Kamada. I really yeah. have been excited and impressed by his move to Belgium. Now, uh, it I should point out that uh, he is on a team in Belgium uh, that actually already has uh, mo- uh, more than one uh, Japanese player on there. So, uh, for me, I think that's kind of been key in terms of getting him, you know, a- accustomed to his surroundings. And he's at uh, the Sint Trudis. If someone knows the exact pronunciation, please let me know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> he's already got twelve goals scored and has got all and has also racked up a couple of assists. Uh, in terms of the uh, Belgian uh, first division, uh, the uh, Jupiler League. Uh, in case anyone was curious of how that uh, what the name of the league is, now they're not a running for the title that is Genk who is on 58 points uh mm-hmm. but they are uh 12 points back and in the top half of the table that then goes through so it's kind of weird so they then split the season off and they go into these uh the championship playoffs then you have your Europa League playoffs basically he's on a side that uh could be playing in Europe next year it's got a pretty decent chance most people are aware of like Anderlecht who are actually below them in the standings uh mm-hmm. he's been a crucial part of how they've been playing and in case anyone's wondering of like how he compares to the rest of the league in terms of goal scoring there are only five players who have scored more goals uh than Kamada and one is his teammate and so I mean that kind of one-two punch for them has been able to yeah. uh, really do wonders for them. That's why they're in their kind of great spot. And I do look forward to him coming back because I very much want to inject him into the Eintracht squad. And I think that he will be key in terms of, uh, I mean, in this off season, I think it's going to really come down to, okay, uh, do you have a future? Do you not? And if even if he doesn't, we can sell him on. For a tidy profit, because he has already proven at the uh, Belgian level that you know he can be a good performer, 
and I am more than uh, positive that uh, a lo- uh, another top division team from any of the kind of mid-majors to major leagues across Europe mm-hmm. would be interested in a player like him. I'd say, personally, keep him where he is and let him grow another year, and then we might have a, a striker, uh, a home, a somewhat homegrown striker uh <laughs> that we've that we've mined um ready to to make his debut with the club long term indeed and you got to remember he's still yet to be capped for the Japanese national team and so the kid has been able to benefit directly from not having to participate in the Asian Cup and I look forward to seeing more about his development for the rest of the season oh, yeah all right that wraps up a pretty long news and notes uh, <laughs> part for uh, Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. So we're going to get into segment three where we're going to talk about our upcoming match with uh, Hoffenheim. So stay with. to talk about uh, Eintracht versus Hoffenheim. Next matchup, we have run the gauntlet and we're entering in the uh, the comfortable uh, phase of the uh, Eintracht schedule. Uh, needless to say, uh, set re- matches returning to Saturday are going to be a great uh, welcome, at least. Yes. Because, uh, you know, all these uh, Thursday, Sunday matches... God, it was really sucking eggs. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so we get to take on Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim uh, had a 1-1 draw at the weekend with uh, Leipzig. We know that this team is cap- is a team capable of making it to Europe and, you know, putting on a good display because they didn't look bad uh, whilst they were playing in the Champions League. Uh, you sure they finished fourth in a group that also mm-hmm. had uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, who we did recently just beat. But uh, this team has shown that they can be a dangerous one at that. So we have to keep it safe just a little bit. But I'm really liking the fact that we had an easy team with Hanover. We'll have a good, strong test with Hoffenheim before we then come next week to play once again on Thursday when we get to host Inter Milan. Mm -hmm. This This is a battle of the... Of the heavy drawers right now. <laughs> Hoffenheim has drawn since uh, the Rukrunda started uh, three times versus our four. Um, so they're a little down too. Yeah, for me, like, they look good against Leipzig. And Leipzig, we've already recently faced them. Not an easy team to play up against. And for me, playing these guys at home, this gives me a good sense of security in terms of home, uh, quote unquote. Well, yeah, okay. So when we when we when we <laughs> I always I always bring that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, of course you. Yeah, okay. Yes, we need to think about playing it safe and all that sort of jazz. But you gotta remember, like, uh, this was uh, the final league match we played before the international break, and then we returned and just shellacked Dusseldorf. 
you know, we got the yeah. uh, how that one went at Sinsheim. You know, we had the Buffalo score on opposite sides of halftime, and then Hoffenheim then was just chasing all match long, and they'd only found one kind of at the depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a much more organized Eintracht team than it was at that point in time. And, yeah, as you as you alluded there, outside of, you know, like, for Hoffenheim, they just, they haven't had the kind of, like, results go their way. If they had some, if some of these draws were wins, we'd be talking about these guys being a Champions League, you know, pushing side. Instead, they haven't. They bowed out of the Champions League, didn't even get Europa League, and due to the size of their squad being what it was, they moved on. They moved guys on out on loan to ensure that those guys would get match time. I mean, these yeah. guys have this team has has had one defeat since uh, that since we beat them. Yeah, that should say it exactly. all right there. This is a tough team to beat. Uh, their loss to us on October the seventh. They then won all the four in a row. And then they won. They then had six consecutive draws. Good yeah. lord, I'd be sick and tired of that. Before <laughs> they then lost at home to Bayern, where since then they have drawn three, won two, and their loan. And that one of those was an away win to Freiburg, which uh, the way that Freiburg plays, that can be seen as a thing. Look, we're not Dortmund. We're not going to freaking let them in eh, to get a 3-3 draw the way that they did. Dear God, I still don't understand how that really happened. This is the kind of team that the Eintracht can uh, take. This I'm looking at this as a old-school boxing match, and this mm-hmm. is just this is going to be an all-attacking affair. And uh, if I, I'm going to put my prediction down right now. 2-1 uh, to, to the Eintracht. This is a this is a match that I feel like you're almost staring yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um they're really good um uh creating all types of attacks, you know, from putting them running down the wings to uh individual like fits of greatness <laughs> from certain players and um yeah, I, I it's it's going to be this is the type of game that defines a season, in my opinion. Now, I'm not ma- hi- making this hyperbolic or anything, but you kind of have to defeat yourself. And I think in the past e- couple of weeks, we've had to face ourselves and what kind of team this really is, what and how we can change and develop our style in a different way. To and and against ha- against Shakhtar, we really showed that, in my opinion. So um, switching up our traditional our tactics that we've used for the most part of all season and yeah, uh, yeah. to for I would say this specific team set scenario. Yeah. But um since we since Christmas, since the Rook Runda started, Rebic has started to play a little better. Um he's great at creating those chances out of nowhere in tight spaces. We so that gives us a little different sort of attacking flavor. Um, I think our midfield is significantly better at, at creating those chances or at least solidifying uh, and breaking down um, counter attack. So um, I, I think this is going to be difficult. I think it's going to be relatively 
low scoring. So I'm going to say two to one. So maybe, maybe not relatively low scoring, but I think this is just going to be a nail biter to the end. (laughs) Well, uh, let's hope folks that you don't chew it all down to the nubs on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That all being said, our predictions are in Nathan, uh, where can you find you in the social media landscape? You can find me on Twitter at N-A-J-A-K-W-A. And for the until the middle of March to the Ides of March, I'll be in uh, Tokyo. Uh, so if you follow me there, you might see some nonsense, uh, me eating all manner of delicious things and, and enjoying the culture that is uh, in Japan. Um, I'm excited. Go. There you go. Uh, do you have the Hasebe uh, jersey packed? Yeah, packed. I don't have one. Ah! But, um, I, I, yeah, man, that'd be fucking tight. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do plan on buying. Uh, that's like that my little, uh, my thing that I do on vacations. My indulgence is that I buy as many soccer jerseys as I can. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of them will be in an international, a Japan, uh, jersey, and then some maybe some local, uh, Tokyo teams. There you go. There you go. And you can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can also uh, follow the show that is on Twitter at HEFpod. Email the show that is Frankfurt at gmail.com. And follow us on Facebook for all sorts of new episodes, uh, contests, in addition to uh, Eintracht information in the English language. And that is Facebook.com slash HEFpod. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt... Juice, juice.